The following program was pre-recorded on WFAN. It's time for Hello, My Name is Craig, our weekly candid conversation about gambling addiction. It's supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Now, here's Craig Carton. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Hello, My Name is Craig. Craig Carton with you for the next 30 minutes as always. A frank, open, honest conversation about gambling addiction. Joining me as always from Epic Risk Management, our friend Dan Trelaro. Danny, good morning. How are you? Oh, Craig, good morning. It's uh, hot and sunny down here in Miami. That's where I am this week. Uh, life sucks, huh? Yeah, it's uh, about 100 degrees and that humidity. It's definitely hot, but we're uh, working with the uh, Miami Hurricanes this week, having some good sessions. Great. Yeah, Dan has spent a good portion of the last year traveling the country in a deal with Epic Risk Management and the NCAA to talk specifically to varsity athletes at schools to just uh, give them a heads up to the dangers of gambling. So uh, it's been very well received and a really great program. Joining us uh, as well, another gambler in recovery is Dan and I are, and this is Tony. Tony, good morning. It's Craig and Dan. How are you? Hey, how are you doing, Craig? Doing great. I really appreciate you coming on. If you don't mind me asking, when was uh, your last wager? August 14th, uh, 2021, so I'm about three, 327 days. Oh, no congratulations. Way. That's awesome. I'm sure if and when you get to that one-year anniversary, that's going to be a special day for you. Yes, yes, coming up. So let's uh, talk a little bit. Uh, walk us through kind of the beginnings of it. How old were you when you first got exposed to gambling and started to gamble? So I was about 16 years old. Um it was at like one of these uh, feasts, and, and they had like a kind of like a center set up, you know, small time bets, gambling kind of thing, just right. you know, you know, recreation. And uh, I got exposed to blackjack, and that was my game of choice, and I was pretty good at it, you know, with, with the cards and stuff, pretty good math, probability, and whatnot. Right. So I kind of got hooked to it, and then I, I took a long break. I was always able to control myself, and then kind of like this year, I'm sorry, last year, March, kind of just went off. I had a, I had a one good take, and I kept chasing it every sure. time. And were you doing it in actual casinos, or were you doing it online, or both? Uh, both, 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 both. both. Uh, Dan, we've talked on this show a million times, but I'm glad you know Tony's sharing it with us. That for a lot of people, not everybody, of course, it's an early win that, you know, I guess in a, in a way it's like that first high for uh, for drug addicts. But an early win is what drives guys to go back thinking, I did it once, I'm going to do it again. Yeah, sometimes we always say that that could be the worst thing that ever happens. It feels like the best thing in the world. You know, you're, you're starting, it's new, you win early, and you're like, this is great. You know, it's that fast money. Why do I have to work? That kind of mentality. And when you are exposed and you have early onset and or a big win early on, it feels really good. And you say, wow, that was easy. Let me do this again. And you start going down this path of kind of chasing that feeling, chasing that win. You know, I've done it before. I can do it again. I was lucky before. It can happen again. Or I'll start practicing and my skill will help shift the odds in my favor is what some people think. 
And I can really make this almost like a side job. Like gambling can now be a part of my life. That's what happens when you have an early win. Look, I, I, I've told this story before. I told my wife I was going to quit my job at the height of my popularity and success <laughs> and become a professional blackjack player. So I totally get it. Tony, at the height of it, how often would you say you were gambling or playing blackjack? Uh, at least seven days a week. Really? Uh, I would be at the casino about four nights uh, down in Atlantic City, mm-hmm. uh, MGM, Bagata. And uh, if I wasn't down the casino, I was on the app plane. It was one or the other. Um, it was, and how did down. you how did you go about funding it? Uh, I assume you were working at the time, but I imagine that whatever money you were making, I'm, you I'm that wasn't working. enough, right? Still working. I was doing good. I was I was making good money, and it was all going to as soon as I got it. It was all going to uh, blackjack. You know, I was behind on bills, but it didn't yep. matter because I was playing. And uh, the problem with online is. You know, when you win big, it takes days before you get it. And, you know, when you got a problem, you know, you just want to play. So if it's in your account, you cancel it and you just keep playing. And then usually you just end up. Yeah, let me. What you, I want to walk people through that. What Tony's saying is that yeah. when you have a win of any size, it sits in your account online. But if for you to go through the steps to get that money from the online account into your bank account, it doesn't happen in 24 hours, and that's done on purpose because a lot of the casinos recognize if you leave the money in there, guys like me and Dan and Tony, eventually, uh, for some of us, it's right away. We're not going to wait the 48 hours or three days for the money to get to our bank account. We're going to play it again, and the more you play it, the higher the odds are you're going to lose it, and that's what you did. Correct. Correct, all the time. So when... Would you say it became like a, a, a real problem uh, where it overtook your life? I would say about May 2021, um, I, I realized, like, I, I couldn't stop. It was, uh, you know, I, was, I had a whole cycle. I, I mean, I, I would work late to, like, 1130 at night. I would come home. I, was, I would come home, literally take a shower, and I was supposed to be back at work at 6 in the morning. And there I was going to Atlantic City, you know, from Staten Island to Atlantic City, you know, about an hour and a half. Yep. I would play, and then I would leave. I would leave at, like, 4 a.m. to be at work in New York City at 6. And I, it was like, it was like, and I was going on about three times during a week. On weekends when I had off, I was down there, um, you know, playing, and, and it was just, just I couldn't, I couldn't stop. And if I couldn't get down there, I was in Jersey playing on, on, uh, on my app. Right. It's, a, it's an unsustainable uh, lifestyle, though, unfortunately. You can't burn the candle off for that long doing that. Correct. Correct. Did you ever seek out kind of underground games or neighborhood games? Because uh, no. I, I didn't, and they do exist. I, I, never, I never did anything underground. Um, Nothing. There was always was pretty much one hotel because um, they took care of me. Right. You know, they gave me what I wanted, and that's I stuck to it. So let me ask you this, and I, I've been asked this question, uh, and I had a tough time answering it when I was first asked the question. But you know, with the clarity I have now, 
I have a pretty good handle on it. And the question goes something like this where, you know, how often were you alone looking into a mirror saying, hey, jackass, you got a problem. Hey, dummy, you got to stop gambling. It's not normal. It's not good for you. It's not healthy. How often did oh. you have those self-talks prior to eventually deciding you do need help? Quite a bit. Um, quite a bit. Um, you know, I would get home. I would take a shower. And like I would say to myself, like, you know, what am I doing here? Right. Um, you know, I'm getting, I'm, going, I'm getting in my car. You know, after just getting off work for 16 hours, you know, going down to uh, uh, the casino, you know, for like three, for th- like two, three hours, like you know, and for what, you know, just usually, you know, you have your good takes and then you have your bad takes. So I was and Dan. Is that normal? What I'm describing there, the uh, at least you know, alone, private acknowledgement. Hey, this isn't normal. But then the repeated behavior of doing it anyway. Man, I hated that quiet time. I mean, yeah, it's normal. When you're when you're when you're when it's silent and you're left in your own thoughts, when you're kind of in between sessions or you're in the shower, like you're getting ready in the morning, you're looking in the mirror. I know for myself, one of the hardest things to do in, in the deepest parts of the gambling addiction was to look myself in the mirror. I did not like who I saw. But at the same time you I kept doing it because I didn't know another way out. And it became a part of who I was, and it was just like ingrained in me. And and we and we know people who suffer from gambling addiction; they're not going to die of withdrawal like you will with with substance use. But damn, it sure feels like it sometimes. And it's like you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't, and and you don't know another way out. So you're just continuing down that rabbit hole, just hoping that something will change. You know, with with, with substance addiction. You might be a dope fiend with gambling or addiction. I heard it said one time, you're a hope fiend. And I, that always stuck with me. We're a hope fiend. We're always hoping for a better tomorrow. We're hoping for a better turnout today. But even if we had that good turnout, it's not going to change anything. We're going to gamble till our last dollar is gone. And that's just that cycle. And it gets hard in those quiet times to come to that realization. Tony, I should share with you, uh, there were two times I was in a Poconos casino. And I literally, on one occasion, I gambled for nine minutes and got back in my car and drove back to Manhattan to do my job. And on another occasion, I was there for 13 minutes at, you know, again, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. And again, got in my car and hoped to get back in time to do a radio show. So I totally understand the lifestyle that you led. We're going to find out what Tony's kind of come to Jesus moment was right after this on The Fan. Back to more of Hello, My Name is Craig on The Fan with your host, Craig Carton, and supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. All right, welcome back to Hello, My Name is Craig. Craig Carton with you. Apologize, still dealing with some laryngitis, but we're getting through it. Dan Trelaro, epic risk management as always, and uh, Tony, nice stuff to share his story. Tony, what was the bottom of the barrel moment for you where you eventually decided, all right, this is enough. I'm going to get help. It was uh, around July 25th, 2021. I had a a big loss, a big loss. And I was up a lot in the casino, six figures. And within minutes, it just went, like, like, as fast as I, I, I wanted, in hours, and it went in minutes. And I was... And the deep depression over it, I uh, I couldn't get out of bed for days. And my father 
team and said, you know, like, what's going on with you? Like, this isn't, this isn't you, you know, and then I just pretty much came out and said, this is what's been going on. And, uh, and we, and I got help from there. What was that conversation like? I imagine it was probably the toughest one you've ever had to have with your dad. Yeah. Um, you know, my dad's very old school, um, but he was understanding, you know, he, he, he didn't, you know, he just took it and he said, all right, he said, you know, everything's going to be all right. Just let's get you help. And, um, he took me to a center in Jersey, started there. And then, uh, eventually I got out of there and still gambled. And in August, in August, couple of weeks later, I went to Florida for an actual 30-day rehab, and that was that was the last day I gambled. So, that, so the rehab was the first step in really changing your life, because like me and a lot of people, yeah, we wanted to quit, but we still went back again, and then there was this some moment in life where something clicked, and for you, it was going to rehab. That's correct, yeah. Yeah, me too, by the way. Me too. Although, and to be honest and fair... I went to rehab, it clicked, and I still went to a casino because my ego said, you got to prove it to yourself that you can gamble responsibly. Sadly, I lost that uh, conversation, and I can't. But it did click for me in rehab, so I, I respect that and I get it. Now, how is life for you today, almost a full year without gambling? Um, It's been great. Um, I've been getting myself back on my feet. Um, you know, I still got my job. Um, my boss was great during this whole thing. I, I told him everything. I told him what was going on. Um, and he said, all right, he's like, you gotta get yourself help and your job will be here when you get back. And, uh, that's, that was one big burden off my back. Cause I was scared. You know, I was gonna lose my job. Of course. And, um, I did it and I, I've been, you know, I haven't wager nothing. I haven't even really had an urge, luckily. Right. And I've been, I've been, I also uh, sold 10 meetings. I, I see uh, a therapist. Uh, his name is Mike. He's great. And um, it's, it's, it's been great. I've been getting myself back on my feet. Yeah. Definitely been turning around and looking up. And I know it seems, it seems so simple where, you know, the very first step is, what you just said, like the way you talk to people in your life now, you're honest, you're open, you tell them the truth. And that relieves a huge percentage of the burden because you're not telling lies anymore. You're not hiding you know, where you're going or what you're doing. And that's a significant change in your life. Big time, big time. That was the best thing I ever did was just come out and not, you know, not hide it anymore. Dan, um, what's, is there, have there been studies done on that? Or any type of opinions offered in the medical textbooks on on that kind of aspect of gambling? Yeah, I, the one thing in the United States that really lacks is is a lot of good, deep, detailed studies. And you know, it's good that we can try to have more studies around just feelings and emotions, the behaviors, the recovery journey, um, how we kind of interact with people in recovery. Uh, but there hasn't been a lot of studies around that particular topic, at least in the United States. And I think that highlights a real shortfall, right? We have zero dollars funded towards gambling, addiction, recovery, treatment. 
It's all done at the state level or it's done at the operator level or, you know, endowments or grants. But there's no federal dollars really set aside. We have tons of money set aside for drug and alcohol. And, and I'm not sitting here saying or suggesting that one's better or worse than right. another. That's not the point. But it's just to say that we need more studies so that we can understand the full dynamics and the life cycle of this disease. Tony, also, like, if I could touch on that real quick. Yeah. Um, I'm, from, I'm from New York. Um, it wasn't much help here. Um, I reached out to you. You got me to Dan. And Dan got me. All the help was in New Jersey. And um, when I, even my therapist, I go, see, he's in New Jersey. Um, I didn't see much for anything in New York for gambling um, as far as getting help. And that was one problem that I had. Yeah. I couldn't. Tony, it's a real big, it's a real bugaboo for me too because New York brings it now with you know the legalization of online wagering and mobile wagering, more money than any other state, uh, to the tune of a quarter of a billion dollars already. They've brought in in tax revenue and they've not opened up a single center for gambling addiction, not one. Yeah, it's it's rough and it's gonna get worse. So, what would you say to a, a young guy like yourself? who maybe is listening to this show, who is at day one. You know, they, they're having their come-to-Jesus moment, and they recognize, okay, I need help, but man, I don't know if I can get the help. I can't imagine life without gambling. And they look to somebody like you, who's about a year in. What would you say to that person uh, if you could give them advice to take that very first step? I would say get into a meaning because... When you're in the meeting, you think no one has, you know, you think no one has your story. But you go into the meeting, you got a bunch of people with the same story, if not worse than you. And, you know, they'll put in perspective what's going on, like what's going on in your life. And, you know, you got to, you can't, you can't obtain this. Uh, the lifestyle's not obtainable. You know, I don't care how good you are. It usually just comes crashing down. And that, that was for me. I was... I was doing great. I was having six-figure takes, you know, weeks weeks in a row. And then all of a sudden, you just lose it. As quick as you win it, you lose it. And uh, it's just you got to you gotta seek help, and you got to stick with it. And um, that's the main thing, just sticking with the help and trusting people to help you out. Well, listen, I know you and I have never met, but I'm proud of you because uh, you took that first step, and you're kicking its ass right now. And you're closing in on one year of, in recovery. And that's a major accomplishment. So I hope you're proud of it as well. And I really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story. Thank you, Craig. Thank you. Uh, be good and say uh, hi to your, your dad and your family because they've been through it too. And let them know that we're happy for all you guys. And thank you again. I appreciate it, Craig. Thank you. Thank right, you be Dan. good. Take care. Tony, take good to hear from you, Tony. Take care, Dan. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You know, Dan, now, now that I've gotten to uh, four years of recovery, and I know you're at 12, when I hear a story like Tony, it's so encouraging to me that there are guys out there that either use this show or, you know, any other place that talks about recovery and talks about, you know, the, the concept of overcoming gambling addiction and then shares those stories with other people. It really, it's just, it's very moving to me because it's real. And it's, it's, it's what I've been trying to do since we started this show. It humanizes, you know, the addict, me, you, and everyone else yeah. that, that's got that kind of problem. And I'm so happy that Tony shared that story. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, the whole reason that, that we've been doing along this journey now in year two and, and just moving along and, and doing great things is so that we can give kind of a human side to this addiction. Because so many times people don't understand gambling addiction. You know, you and I have been in the boat where people say, well, what do you mean you have a gambling addiction? Just yeah. stop. It's not that simple. And Tony's an everyday guy, just like many of us are. You know, he's your neighbor. He's the person down the block. He, he could be anybody. doesn't matter. Gambling does not discriminate. It can impact all races and shapes. And doesn't matter your education level, your success. It's not about the money. It's an emotional issue. It's an addiction. And it needs to be treated as such. Yeah, it's, um, listen, if it was that easy to stop, we all would have stopped well before we got in trouble. Every one of exactly. us. Like, if it was that exactly. simple to just, you know, and I know for people that don't have the addiction or any addiction or any connection to somebody with an addiction, I get it. It's very easy to say, oh, it's self-inflicted. Oh, just stop gambling. You started, stop. And unfortunately, the way our brains are wired we can't, and we get ourselves in trouble. Yeah, and, and we need to also, something you and I talked about weeks ago, we need to continue also staying current on, on, on terminology, on language. You know, I'm down here in Miami with a colleague, Greg, who's been on our show before, and we're presenting to some student-athletes this past week. And in one of the uh, sessions, you know, Greg had mentioned, hey, you know, I used to use a bookie. Kid raises his hand and says, what's a bookie? Like we we right. have like 19, 20, 21 year olds, and we've got to always make sure that they may not understand our language and, and how we got ourselves in trouble. So we, then we bring it back current. We talk about what that meant. What is the equivalent of that today? And it's usually in tech terms, you know, it, it, it's, it's an operator taking your bets online. But in the old days, it wasn't like that. So it's, it's continuing to deliver the message in, in a timely, um, current fashion and being relatable to other people so that you know, we're not, your, we're not your father, we're not your uncle. Like, this can apply to someone who's 18 or 75, and we all have something in common. We don't have a healthy relationship with gambling. Yeah, it's so interesting. You know, years ago when I was gambling, uh, I, we tried to, uh, a friend of mine and I, tried to you know, uh, capitalize on the popularity of Oprah Winfrey's book club. If you remember, she used to do this monthly <laughs> book club, right? Yeah. So we started a website called bookieclub.com. Um, oh, you know, for obvious reasons, you know, sell picks, handicapping, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so the fact that there's a generation of kids now that have no idea what a bookie is, I guess in, in one way, I guess that's good. But the flip side of that is it means that it's been so mainstreamed, they don't need to get a bookie. And that's not good, ultimately. And right? that's not good. Right. And you're right. And that's, and that's the concern. I mean, yes, there, there's, there's positives to legalized gambling. Obviously, we know it brings it above board. Yep. We talked about that. But we also have to do so with caution because you, you have now all of a sudden the marketing. And that's a concern, the, the language, the terminology. And then also the wraparound support services. You know, Tony talked about not having a lot of support in New York. I know the New York Council does great work. They have tremendous programs in different regions of the country. And, yes, there's no inpatient facility there. But they do have good clinicians that do work in New York. Um, and hopefully we will see, to your point, hopefully we will see some inpatient uh, offerings at some point and more across the country as gambling expands. Yeah, I, I hope so. I think that's the answer to help people. Uh, and, again, I don't want to you know, knock down what those experts do because they are good at what they do. But there's just it's very hard for the average person to find them and to yep. access them. And God right. knows there's enough money coming in. It would not be that hard to find a city-owned 
or state-owned abandoned building and turn it into a world-class rehab center. And my goal in life is to see that happen one day because I do think the community needs it. I do. I agree. I agree. You know, with big box retailers shutting down because rents are so high, you have more people shopping online. There are plenty of buildings and office space available. I'm sure, to your point, they could be found. And then putting the dollars behind it to give the people the help, not that they need, but that they deserve. No doubt. All right, good job as always. We'll do it again next weekend. And appreciate uh, your time from uh, sunny South Florida. And next time we'll get you back in town, okay? Sounds great, brother. You have a great week. All right, buddy. Mark Malusis is up next. And Evan and I are back Monday at 2 o'clock right here on The Fan. Thank you so much for listening to Hello, My Name is Craig.